All right, everyone. We have got a very, very special episode of Phaser Friday. It is uh, myself, Luke Eggebrotten, and my beautiful wife, Olivia Eggebrotten. How are we doing, honey? I know you're right across the room here, but cheers. Cheers. I'm doing great. How, how has your day been, Luke? You know, it's been pretty good. Um, we are getting ready. We're going to uh, North Carolina tonight and then South Carolina. Never been, so I think I'm just very excited. We've got one of those red-eye flies tonight, which is kind of exciting because you don't really ever sleep, and I think it, it's going to be fun. Yeah, kind of exciting. <laughs> Never sleeping. Always a lot of fun. So speaking of travel, I kind of wanted to start this podcast episode off in maybe an interesting spot, but um, I've got a question for you. Can you please tell the audience about your shortest Miami trip ever? Uh, yeah, I starting uh, starting the podcast off strong here. So yes, I had a little mishap this year. Um, for people who haven't heard the story, here it is. So I'm in this uh, coaching group. It's like a marketing agency coaching group. And we go to Miami three times a year. And it's essentially like an intensive. So throughout the year, we're, we're planning, we're being coached. And then three times a year, we go in person. And it's a couple hundred marketing agency owners. And it's great. It's amazing. And so in my calendar, what I had in my Google calendar was that in July, um, there was this intensive. And I was like, perfect. And I had it in there the whole year. And booked my flights, did all that. And, and I'm pretty cheap too, as you know, it, we both are, but pretty cheap. So my flights were 15 hours um, to Miami from Arizona here. And, you know, I, my flight there, I flew to Detroit, had a layover, everything's a red eye, and then flew into Miami. So got off the plane, super excited. And especially when I'm going to this trip, like I'm just trying to get dialed in. Like I, all the work is done. I'm super excited, ready, ready for a great session. Um, and I step off the plane in Miami. It's hot. It's humid. It's 11 a.m. Or no, it is noon on Monday when I'm supposed to be there. And I text my buddy who I was going to stay with. And I was like, hey, man, uh, what time are you getting in? And he's like, uh, oh, 11 a.m. On, on Monday. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's kind of a weird way to say it because it was noon on a Monday. And so my heart kind of dropped a little bit. So I texted my other friend. I was like, hey, like, when are you coming in? He's like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll come in on Monday. And I was like, this is so weird. So I texted another friend and he said uh, it was in two weeks. And so I had flown all the way across the entire country. Um, no sleep. I was a little sweaty. And it was the wrong weekend. It was the wrong week. So uh, that was eye-opening. I didn't exactly know what to do, but I kind of just rolled with the punches and said, well, it's like the damage is already done. And it was, it was one of those things where it was so bad and so embarrassing that I just had to like laugh it off. Um, and then I booked my flight home <laughs> that day and took another red eye flight uh, back to Arizona. So it, it, was, it was the shortest Miami trip I've ever taken. And now you'll probably double check dates for um, intensives, right? 
Yes, double and triple check. Um, you just can't do it enough. And then before you leave, call the call some people. Be like, hey, are we hanging out tomorrow? Like, is this actually happening? Because uh, it'll sneak up on you. Wow, that's a great story. And also, I think part of that too um, is just your attitude around it. Because not everyone, I think, would have the same perspective if they had just spent, you know, a good. 16 hours of their life flying somewhere to find out that they they don't need to be there, that they can just turn around and then come back in a couple of weeks. Cause you ended up going back for the intensive a couple of weeks later, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, two weeks later, went right back. And by this time I had already told the whole group, I'm like, I can either try and hide it or just tell everyone my mistake. And so I just took that route and said like, this is just a hilarious lesson. Yeah, not to take yourself too seriously either. and if you're not like dying, um, you're probably going to be okay. And so it's, I don't know, people out there have way much worse issues and bigger things going on than just accidentally flying across the country, I guess. So I guess that that was one way to look at it, but just another way of, yeah, I mean, the ability to get on a plane and like to go do something like that is, it, it, it felt like such a minuscule mistake, which is interesting, but, um, it really didn't like affect me at all. And I was just like, well, I'm just blessed to even be in Miami, even though I'm not supposed to be here. Gives you a great opportunity to go get an ice cream cone. That's what you ended up yeah. doing, right? <laughs> yeah, I, because I didn't really know what to do. So I was like walking around and I was just going to walk back to the airport because at this point, I didn't really want to buy an Uber either back to the airport because I was kind of just like sick of spending money. So I started walking. I'm in uh, jeans and a sport coat, and it was like 90 degree Miami heat. Oof. And so I started walking, and then along the inner, I'm kind of like walking on the highway. Not no, not the highway. It was like a back road to the highway. And then there's like a Dairy Queen. I was like, well, might as well get an ice cream cone. And it was amazing. Like it was a chocolate dipped ice cream cone. Like shout out to that guy who served me up. Um, and it, it, it really heightened my mood too. And I was like, this really isn't that bad. I just like had a long trip for this ice cream cone and just kind of tried to restructure my way of thinking about it. What a great perspective. I feel like we, I don't know, I can learn a lot from that. And um, you definitely inspire me every day to be more positive and look at things like, what's the silver lining? Like, instead of like, oh, I just spent wasted so much time and money to fly across the country for a conference that's in two weeks, or I just got a really great long trip to get a beautiful ice cream cone, you know, like same side, like two different sides of the same coin, just different ways you can look at it. I love that message. Um, and also for those of you who um, maybe haven't been listening to Phaser Friday for a long time, we actually did um, a, I was on the, the show, I just checked and it was a year ago. Um, I think it's the same day plus same, same day, a year later that we recorded this episode. So, um, so I'm really excited to be back. I think a lot has changed in that last year and I'm just excited to chat through some of those things. Um, cause 
If you're used to this podcast, you probably hear Luke talk about a lot of different businesses from the guests that he has on, but today we get to learn more about Phaser and really dive into um, that business in particular and just learn and um, just have a great conversation and have some fun. So um, one thing that I wanted to bring up is a big change from when we were talking together last year um, about Phaser marketing. It was very broad. We It was a um, digital marketing company for medium to small size businesses in general. And since then you've niched down. So for starters, why did you niche down? And then I'd also love to know why specifically seven to eight figure construction companies and that that's the niche that you're in right now. So, so why did you niche down and then why that niche in particular? Yeah. So, and I, it was crazy that one year ago was the last episode. And it's just so fun to go back and listen to it. Um, Cause we kind of did like swap the seats and we just got to have that conversation is really fun to have you on the podcast because like I get to talk to you every day about everything and, and business and life and traveling and all that. So it was, it was cool to like really have you on the podcast and just run through it and be the best hostess out there. So it, uh, it really works out well. Um, so with the niching down part, yeah, I mean, we just started digital marketing for small businesses. Like we didn't really, I feel like that's how most people start. Um, it's just like, you know, we'll take anyone and anything that's willing to pay uh, for our services. And, and then, yeah, about a year ago or so, um, kind of, you know, kind of when we joined this mastermind group I'm in, they just talked about the importance of the further, uh, the simpler and the more specific you go, the higher you can go as far as like in that vertical, the more value you can bring, the more lives you can change, the more people you can um, talk to, uh, different things like that. And it, it made a lot of sense to me because um, what I saw is that every time we brought on a new client, I had to like try and learn the industry and, you know, okay, what keywords work well or what ads would work well for the real estate industry. And then, and we get like a coffee shop coming in. Okay. What works well with them? What, what are their big selling points? What are their big offers? And so um, that, that kind of resonated with us. And we, we had a couple construction clients with us at that time. Uh, Black Iron Dirt was our very first, uh, or I should say our second client and our first construction client. And I just took a, a deep look and I said, who do we want to work with? What industry do I really want to pour into? Because I know whatever we choose, we're going to be diving headfirst into it for the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. And that, that's kind of the goal. And I just, I couldn't get away from, yeah, like the blue collar industry and construction companies. And so I really had a love for the people, the men and women that, you know, have built America and that are out there doing the, the dirty work, the hard work. Um, and especially like in excavation and, uh, just like dirt, dirt work companies like that really stood out to me. And the, the, they also didn't show much of it online. You know, typically that industry lags in digital marketing and media. So I saw that as an opportunity as well. Um, so about a year ago or so we kind of went, okay, we're going to be digital marketing for construction companies. And like my coaches are like, Luke, that you're, you're still so broad. And I'm like, okay, you're right. And so the more and more we've worked with clients and construction and the more we kind of figure out what we can offer, what we do, 
we dialed it in even further. We said, okay, digital marketing for seven and eight figure excavation companies. And yes, we can work with anyone. Yes, we can work with any construction company. We're still open to it. But as far as the messaging, if somebody jumps on our website, we want them to know exactly who we work with. So if they're an excavation company in Ohio and they're doing 7.2 million a year and they are trying to increase their online presence and they jump on our website, I want them to know right then and there that, okay, we're in like the perfect place because this, this guy and his team, this is all they work with. So that was kind of the idea of like niching down. And it's just a lot more fun too, in my opinion, because my Instagram feed is all dirt. My, like the people I talk to, the uh, trade shows we're going to, the, the calls I'm on, it's all revolved around one industry now. So now that we do it every single day, like we are learning a ton and we, we keep learning and the more we pour into it, the more we're going to see come out. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been so much fun. That's awesome. I think um, it's so valuable that lesson of niching down because it's kind of, I guess, anti what you think um, it would be. So, you know, instead of expanding and trying to to be the expert in all things that's really hard almost impossible to do and I think in any industry whether you are in marketing or if you're an Etsy store or if you're in media if you can find your niche and really own that um that audience and and really understand who your customer is that's going to serve you so much better and you'll be able to find true success in actually finding something that you can be the expert in before trying to venture out too far and too wide to um to reach the masses because that just typically doesn't do very well whether again there's so many different examples of this in business in general but um especially marketing because that that's where you really really need to know exactly who your customer is what they need what they want to hear how they want to hear it all of those things are really dependent on who it is you're trying to target so if you don't know what that is or, or if the I guess the um the goal the target's always moving because it's a different niche that you're trying to get into all the time it's really hard to really become that expert and move confidently in one direction so that makes a lot of sense um and well, that that's spot on and i heard you uh throw an etsy store is that uh something that's been on your mind a little bit i think eventually yes it's something very soon actually i um i've always wanted to start my own business of some sort and it's been a long journey just trying to figure out what that is um because i get passionate about a lot of things and then i just get distracted um by something else i really love like the new and shiny thing and then um, whether it's like drop shipping or if it's creating digital um, merchandise or um, digital templates, I, or if it's creating a YouTube channel, I've definitely had a lot of big ideas and it's not always easy being able to really spend the time to make that happen and commit to it because it, it takes a lot of time, takes a lot of commitment, it also takes a lot of vulnerability, which I you know, I think is something that I have so much respect for any entrepreneur who starts his own business is that you have to be willing to fail. And that's not something that everyone has the, the comfortability with. 
um, being able to say, I'm okay, I'm going to put my, you know, throw this out there, I'm going to work really hard at it. And I am a okay, if it just flops. And for some of us who maybe have uh, a recovering perfectionist deep down inside, it is not easy to say like, I'm okay with that. And I am okay to, um, to make a, a fool of myself and sometimes so um, I, I actually wanted to bring this up because I think you are one of those people who put yourself out there a lot, whether it is on social media or you, you doing podcasts, um, a few times a month, or I know you also have been getting into more speaking engagements, um, across the country. And I guess like, I I'm so curious, uh, do you ever struggle with your mindset around that? Because, I think there's a lot of fear that a lot of us have and insecurities and um, it's not easy to put yourself out there. So I'm just curious, what does your mindset look like? Is there anything that you do regularly to push past that fear? Yeah, that's, that's a really, really good question. Um, I think what, what makes me think of an answer right away um, because it's almost like with the social media thing and with, like speaking and putting my face out there is kind of just a decision I made a while back of just, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, like, actually, I I think I can relate it to a day. It was, it was probably like when I actually started phaser, um, because I had to ask myself, like, so I had it on paper, you know, we had zero clients, zero revenue and on paper it said, yeah, phaser marketing LLC is a Nebraska business. I was like, this is so cool. And I kind of made a decision there of, okay, if anyone asks me like um, what I do or what phaser marketing is, cause we had some hats and things going, I'm not going to tell them it's a fledgling hobby that I'm trying to get going. I'm not going to tell them that it's a, it's a small little thing I'm doing on, you know, the weekends or whatever. I'm going to tell them that it's a business I own and yeah, this is what we do. Uh, we're a digital marketing agency, even though we have zero clients, but I'm not going to say that first, but I'm going to just own it. I'm going to say, uh, phaser marketing, it's a digital marketing agency. Um, we do this, this, and this, and we help, you know, then hit the value. Like we help business owners, um, with their digital marketing, we help grow their business and we make their lives easier. And when I started just to own that business, I was like, okay, well, how do I help this thing grow and be a part of it? And now, even today, still one of my biggest pieces of advice for anyone looking to grow their social media or looking to grow their business online, it's probably not the answer they want to hear. Like you got to put your face out there. You got to put your face in front of the camera. You got to shoot those videos. It's like the last thing people want to do. And that's why it works so well. Um, Social media is meant to be social. They don't want to sit there looking at graphics. They want to work with people. Um, some of the biggest brands in the world are all the biggest brands in the world. They're made up of people. Every single business is a personable business. And so just to understand that, I was like, well, okay, I'm just going to dive in head first. Like I might as well. And it's kind of like one of those things where I'm already so far in that I might as, I might as well not hide now because um, I feel like I have seen the parts, the good parts of it, of people reaching out and saying, Luke, I just, you like, you've actually inspired me to start my own business. And certain messages like that just make the, 
the 99 other messages like irrelevant or any like the negative messages or anything like that. It's just, if, if you can just help a few of those people like get to where they want to be. And, um, and granted, I, I guess we, we don't really get the negative messages either, but just like trying to set an example of like, Hey, I don't have all this figured out either. And trying to open that door for people where they feel comfortable reaching out to me and I can help answer any questions, whether I have the answer or not. But I think just being out there and being social um, online too really helps with that. That's so good. I Some of the things that I heard in that was taking ownership over whatever it is that you are starting or um, or just like your image online too, like taking ownership, like, okay, this is it. This is, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm not going to like back down or pretend that it's something smaller than what I want it to be. And kind of speaking that into existence. And then also I heard that, um, a big part of your motivation is to, uh, I guess, just like do it for others, whether you want, you know, if it's one person that listens to one of your, quick videos or even like this podcast and they say like that made an impact on me that's something that um has inspired me to go chase my dreams or start my own business or um or just be a little bit more vulnerable and take a little bit more ownership of my life um like that's that's the stuff that really keeps you going is what it sounds like is what I heard yeah it I would say and the more I do it the more I realize that that's actually what I act really enjoy uh, it it isn't necessarily like the nitty-gritty marketing stuff um, you know we have an amazing team that like helps with all of that and it, it helps me like get to be out there more and get to do what I really love doing and I think that's yeah helping other people engaging with others um, talking I think I do a lot of talking but maybe I should do less uh, you know, and just things like that. We're just kind of being out there and like um, trying to make an impact and add value because I realized that I guess that's maybe what I'm better at and what I'm not good at is like web design and SEO and graphic design. And instead of me sitting there trying to learn everything, like why not just keep doing what I like to do and um, what I might be a little bit better at. Yeah. Like we mentioned earlier, like you can't be the expert in everything. And part of that is realizing what your strengths are and trying to become the expert in that and, um, and not trying to, um, push yourself too hard in an area that is just not a strength (laughs) and you can hire, especially if you have a, a business that you're doing, um, you can hire someone else for that and that can be their strength. So, um, that's, that's awesome. That's a good way to, to phrase that up. I'm also curious, um, like, is there any tips or tools? Like I know someone has always, I've, everyone has heard the saying, um, if you are stepping out into a big audience or you have to speak in front of people and you're really not comfortable with it, we all know the saying, just imagine your audience in their underwear. I don't know if that's a technique you use, maybe not, but I'm curious if you have any tips or tools or practices that you have when I think I'm assuming we all get that little feeling where it's scary, like we feel intimidating and intimidated and not sure of, of what we're going to say, how it's going to land. Um, we all have those moments maybe right before a podcast recording or stepping onto a stage, whatever it might be. What are your tips or, or tools in that situation? Yeah, I think uh, I've never really 
done the whole the underwear thing because I think I'd probably just start laughing um <laughs> you know just I don't know and one thing that I have found that really really works well for me is um just the, the biggest thing is if somebody's asking you a question or if you're speaking to a crowd or if you're doing a podcast talk about what you know and like it sounds stupid or it sounds crazy but it's like I, I try not to venture off into the unknown too much and unless I'm asking a question and bringing it out of somebody else. Uh, so a lot of times you can play kind of ignorant and you can um, ask questions because that helps bring it out of other people. But if you're the one speaking, like talk about what you know. For, for me, it's like digital marketing for construction companies. Like there are tons of people out there who are better digital marketers than me or have bigger agencies or smaller agencies or bigger construction companies or like everyone will always know more than you and people will know less. So I think just dive, it's kind of like taking the ownership. Like we talked about earlier, it's just be okay with what you know and talk about that and like try and add some value because before you know it, like somebody in the crowd or somebody listening didn't know that or didn't have that point of view. And I know you and I like to talk about finances a lot and budgeting and things like that. And, and our way of doing things isn't what everyone needs to do, but if somebody's interested and somebody didn't know that that was a thing or you could do it that way. Yeah. They might be listening. So I try and take that approach of just talk about what you're most comfortable talking about and what that is when, you know, for people listening, if you're like, I'm super comfortable talking about this, you never know, but you can probably turn that into a business. And I always just try and find something that you're really passionate talking about and that you really just go off uh, on and on with, turn it into a hobby that can make like some side money. And then all of a sudden, like you can kind of figure out how to turn it into a potential option for um, your full-time job or your full-time employment. So I think, uh, yeah, just finding things you're passionate about and that you just can't stop talking about, because if you're going to be pursuing that for your job and your career, like you might as well be passionate about it. That's such a good point. I think everyone should be, um, I guess. Yeah. I, I know I, there's some things that I cannot talk about because I just don't have any idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> for me, that would be construction for, or marketing for construction companies. I cannot talk about that because I don't know anything about it other than what I've gleaned from um, overhearing some of your conversations. But there's many other things that I think everyone has their own interests and, um, and things that get them fired up. And I just love like even, you know, setting aside the, the social media and podcasts and things like that, where you're really putting yourself out there, but even just in conversations in the day-to-day, -day, I think that those are the best conversations that I have is when I can find something in the other person that they get really excited about. Um, just today at work, I had a few conversations with some new leaders that I was working with and one just got going on her travels and all the places that she's been and some really cool stories and that just flowed out of her. And you could tell, like, I didn't even really have to say much. I was just finding that one thing and then letting her run with it. And then the next guy was all about soccer and he just could not, like, he was so excited about soccer and the different leagues. And I just like sat back and was curious, asked some questions and 
didn't say a lot, but I could tell just by leaving that conversation, like that, those people, um, it's so much more fun when you find something that people are excited about. Um, so it depends on, on what your job is, but I think that there's room for you to find those commonalities or just interest in others, wherever you are and whether it's at work or and in the, the line at the grocery store, whatever it may be. Um, those are just the little moments that really make, um, make a big impact on everyone's day. Yeah. And if you've never read the book, how to, how to win friends and influence people, I believe that's, uh, referenced in there. And it's just like, how do you, you know, talk to a bunch of strangers? How do you get people to like you? And it's kind of, it sounds weird, but it's, it's true. Now, how do you get people to like you? And so if you're in a group and you're in a conversation, like sometimes you have to play dumb and just be like, listen, I know nothing about welding. Like, can you tell me more? And then they, you're fixated on, them. they just start going off. They start telling you. And then when you see that passion, like you're saying, and you just kind of pour some gas on it and you ask more questions and you see them get fired up. And to me, that's so much more rewarding than me getting fired up about something, you know, because you want to see that in other people. You want to see like them get excited because then they're happy to talk to you. Like they're excited. They, they have a good time. And, and I think, I'm sure you see this too, but after a while of like talking about soccer, then they're like, what do you do? Or like, what do you like? Or where do you like to travel to? And, you know, eventually that kind of catches on, like, then you have this double-sided conversation that ends up being, uh, ends up being amazing. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you mentioned something, uh, the How to Win Friends and Influence People book by Dale Carnegie. And um, I know that's one of our favorites or one that has impacted both of us uh, quite a bit. But um, I know that you've also been reading quite a bit in general and working on that. I think last episode, when I just re-listened to that, you um, you mentioned the um, E-Myth Revisited um, or E-Myth book. Uh, is that, am I saying that right? Yep. Yeah, E-Myth. it's the E-Myth. Uh, so it's the entrepreneurial myth. And then yes. Revisited is like, it's, it's amazing. Gotcha. So that one and the Dale Carnegie book, I'm curious what other books are, have made a big impact on you and your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. So without a doubt, the E-Myth, if you haven't, if you own a business, you want to start a business, if you're at all interested, or if you have a hobby, anything, read the E-Myth Revisited. Uh, Michael E. Gerber is the author. Changed my life. It just, it, the way you think about things, it's incredible. Um, another book that really changed me is actually didn't change me actually gave me validation I would say is rework uh it's rec it's Jason Freed F-R-I-E-D um Mark Cuban recommends his book he loves it and so I gave it a read and it I I thought I just wasn't figuring out this whole business thing I thought I was like very slow and just the things that didn't let me I couldn't sleep well at night if I did a certain thing that most business people told me to do. And I was like, this just doesn't feel right. And I read the rework book and it basically told me that everything I'm feeling and everything that I want to do in my head is like, okay. And it's right. And that's just your personality. And that's how they build their business. And so I definitely recommend them. They also built like a CRM or a software called Basecamp. And we started using that in our agency about two years ago. And 
we love it. It's just about like simple. Keep it simple. You don't need anything flashy. You don't need anything extra. You don't need to impress anyone. You don't need all this and that. I'm like, this is so nice, so cool. Um, but that book is a game changer. Um, another one, uh, one of my friends in our in our agency group, uh, he wrote a book called Blessed Entrepreneur. Uh, it's more of a Bible-based book, and he talks about um, how it's okay to make money in a business and how the you know it's okay to be a steward of God's resources and he kind of talks through that because he's very successful um his agency you know they do I think 250k per month like monthly recurring but he's just a super humble guy super nice and his son actually owns a digital marketing agency for churches and it's just like it's so cool they they make money as well but it's just showing like you can be um, so giving, so generous with or without money. And he's just showing like, if you are an entrepreneur, make the money, but also shows you how to be generous with it. So um, definitely check out that book. Uh, that's, a, that's a good one. Awesome. I'm not done though yet. So I can't like spoil anything. So don't, don't tell me the end if, if you've read it. Stay tuned, everyone, for an update next podcast episode. Maybe it ends um, terribly. I, don't, I guess I don't know. <laughs> they all die at the end. <laughs> yeah, right. No, that'd like, be an awful ending. We'll, we'll have to reshoot this and be like, don't, don't read it. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll make an edit once once you finish the book and, and have a disclaimer. Yeah. It's like totally like different clothes and stuff. Be like, yeah, this book you do not need to read. <laughs> yeah. And then it cuts right back into this. That's awesome. Well, cool. Um, awesome. And another thing that I want to touch on uh, before we wrap up, I want to talk about, again, this has been a big year for Phaser Marketing and um, just hit its three-year anniversary for being a business and just crazy all of the, I guess, the challenges that have come. Uh, I feel like there's a million questions I could, I could ask about just kind of recent changes and developments. Um, one of them, um, I'm curious with you, I know in general, you're pretty um, frugal when it comes to money. And I know that it's very similar in your business compared to a lot of other companies. Um, what did, you know, I think some people, maybe if they are new to starting a business or haven't started a business before, what does it look like to pay yourself? And how do you decide how much to pay yourself? Yeah, this is such a great question. I love it because there's no right answer or wrong answer. And so I just, I can just tell my side and it, it's like humorous because I still don't understand like how that works. And so, so I guess what I would recommend if you're kind of trying to go more small scale, like we have where you're just like, okay, I want to get my feet wet in business, but I don't want to take on a big loan or a big investor and like do this scary thing. I worked like my full-time job and just started it on the side, the business and then just tried to build it up to where someday I could go full time. Um, so what I did is when I started, you know, we had the business bank account set up. So I didn't pay myself for two years. I just kind of, any money we made from the business, I would put in the business account, any money we had to spend for the business, like um, on any business supplies or anything to get the work done, we'd take that out of the business account. So we're acting like a business and treating it like such, but my full-time job, you know, I guess paid me. So when 
2021 in August, um, that's when you got your your full-time job in Arizona and we decided to move down here. And I was like, well, this is probably a good time to go full-time. And it, it, it was nice because it wasn't like a big leap of faith into this scary business world. It was like a, a step off the dock because we had I'd been doing business for two years um, on the side and then also had a little bit built up, you know, in the business bank account and kind of just looked at it and we had some recurring revenue, but not a whole lot. And I was like, how do we pay ourselves here? Cause um, at that point, you know, we were, we were married. So it was, how do we pay ourselves in this transition? And it had to start low because we didn't want to also tank the business. And so I just said, okay, yeah, let's shoot for like 500 bucks every two weeks. And so I still, I have a picture of it still. Um, but I asked, um, my good friend Cole, who was helping out with our taxes and everything, like, how does this work? Like, how do you pay yourself? Like as a single member business owner, and he told me, he's like, you just write yourself a check. And like, I just, I couldn't get over that. I'm like, so I'm literally writing a check out to myself. He's like, yep. Then you deposit it yourself and then just hang on to it for records. And that's exactly what I did. And I, it, was, it was just so funny to me because it, it was like the business was just paying me, but it, you know, I was the only one that really owned the business, but what it really helped with, and this is, I think the big lesson behind doing it this way is it treated the business as a business and not like, Oh, we just sold a couple good big websites. Now Liv and I can go on a shopping spree. It was, it why, was why can't we do that? <laughs> I should have used a different example, <laughs> um, you know, and it, it just helped with like discipline of like, yeah, my, my paycheck is 500 bucks every two weeks. You know, our goal is to get it higher than that, but the, the proof has to be in the pudding as the experts say. Um, you know, there has to be like money left over in the business or you have to be like trending positive and things like that. So it was really interesting. And that's kind of how we operate now too. I just pay myself, but now, uh, this year we're kind of moving into a different model with, um, as an S corp, but yeah, starting out, it's as simple as that. Like you can pay yourself. You just write yourself a check. If you need help getting any work done we subbed out a lot of work to contractors. There are so many people out there that are willing to do work and you just pay them. You pay them for their services. You make sure that you make more than you're spending. That's a business. And I'm something that I think some people may have questions about or find interesting is that um, in case you missed it, you didn't pay yourself for about a year and a half, a little bit more than that, um, since the start of your business. So that for a while, the money was just kind of pooling in the business um, when it comes, and you, and you just relied on your full-time job to um, be able to pay the bills at the end of the month. But I guess, is that something that you'd recommend to all entrepreneurs? Does it depend on the business? Does it depend on the, I guess, the amount of capital that you have to be working with from the start? What is that? I guess, like, how would you consult a new entrepreneur to make that decision? Yeah, totally depends on the business. Um, if somebody comes to me and they want to start a construction company or an excavation company, it's 
it's a totally different conversation. Um, that's very capital intensive. You know, you, there are ways around it too. You know, you rent your way up to buying a machine, things like that. But there are so many businesses out there and this is more for, I guess you could call them like creator or like an Etsy store, marketing agency, um, freelancer, social media, um, social media agency, graphic designers. Like there's so many out there that I guess this model would appeal to because I think most people think starting a business is just this big hurdle and all this scary stuff. And it's really not that at all. It's, it's providing a service of value. And what I think what really helps me and what really helped me is looking around and seeing that there are like hundreds and thousands, hundreds of thousands of businesses around There's restaurants, there's agencies, there's all these things all over. I'm like, well, if they all can take a whack at it, like why, why can't I? And so I think, yeah, reach out to somebody that has started a business, like, and just ask them questions, be like, this is my idea. How should I start? And I think that's what is so cool, like about these podcasts and just talking about is because you're not necessarily telling somebody to start a business. You're just giving them options. Um, if they have a full-time job right now and they love it, they may want to stay in it. That's totally fine. If they kind of love it, but kind of don't, but then there's also two or three other options that they have, like you, you always want to have multiple options. So I think just going this route of like starting something on the side, uh, and it's just a ton of fun to build your own brand, build something that you started from the beginning and just see where it goes in the next five years. Um, cause time flies and it, yeah, like you said, it's already been three years, which I, uh, I just can't believe. Yeah. I think starting a business is very similar to many other ventures in life where the formula is actually very simple. That doesn't make it easy. Um, because, uh, you know, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Um, and doing it well, but the, in general, like the steps to build a business and start a business are pretty straightforward, um, from what it sounds like and, and what I've heard from, from you and other people that we know who've started businesses, but it's, the uh, um, just because it's easy, it's, or just because it's simple, doesn't make it super easy. So I'm in the last, um, year as your business has grown and you've, you know, I'm sure you, you learn lessons all the time and, um, not that this, this episode is purely just like a, a year in recap, but I, I think it is really interesting as this last year, um, you know, it's been, uh, been a lot of changes and, and what have been some of the bigger challenges for you? Um, because it's not always easy. It's not always like rainbows and butterflies. And sometimes you have to deal with difficult situations. So, um, if you wouldn't mind sharing, what are some of the, the challenges that you've had to overcome recently? Yeah, I really appreciate that. And it, it, it's important that we don't make it all rainbows and butterflies. Like if it is, that's great. I mean, you can like continue to talk about that and be transparent. I think the transparency is the biggest thing, you know? Um, yeah, like this year is crazy. I mean, there's so, so many good things, so many things that we're blessed with and just the business and relationships and people, our marriage, our travels, everything. Um, but yeah, there's definitely like a lot of things where I'm just like, it gives me a headache to think about. Um, and, but it's important to talk about it because I think other people can learn from it as I'm learning myself, you know, so if I can ha- save like one or two more people from going through it, 
that would be great because it's just not fun. So yeah, like I guess one of the situations like currently going through, and I know you've heard a lot about it, obviously, I get to talk to you about it every day. Um, but yeah, most recently would be, um, you know, the lesson learned is like, get a contract signed. If you're in a, like a marketing agency, I guess I'll just use them as, as an example. It helps to have the scope of work and get a contract signed and then get the payment up front. So if you're able to, which in our business, that's all we do is you get the payment up front, you do the work, you get the payment, you do the work, um, which is very important. So kind of what we ran into is huge opportunity for us. You know, we're still small, we're growing, all that. Really, really big opportunity. Um, uh, one person had multiple construction companies and really, really cool guy. I'd never met him in person. Um, put together the biggest deal I've ever put together. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a $100,000 deal. Like it was crazy to me. I was just like, this is wild. So I'm super excited. Like our, telling our team, like we're all, you know, busting our butts, getting to work, never had a deal this big. And yeah, I mean, that was in July and we just never got paid. And it's, it's the sad truth, but at the same time too, like we're so blessed in so many ways and I don't have to go through all of them, but um, the cost wasn't that high. And so that, that was good, but just, yeah, just putting it all out there at the beginning, making sure you get paid, having it in a contract. And then if something's fishy, um, it's probably fishy and like, you just got, you need to address it and even stop your work before continuing on. But that, that's been a really, really good one. I'm very thankful that we're going through it, to be honest. And it's just like, it's helped me think about things in a totally different way. Cause I, I think I just want to be friends with everyone and that's great. But if we're trying to do business together too, like you need to make sure that um, business is done as well. So I think, yeah, definitely learned a lot from that. Um, but yeah, that's what it's all about. That it, it wouldn't be as fun if you didn't have like those downs because then like the ups are even better. Exactly. Yes. And I know that that whole situation was very odd and it wasn't like one day it was just all of a sudden oh like this this is all messed up but it was just kind of like slowly the layers of the onion were unpeeling and getting to see a little bit closer of like this this doesn't seem right but maybe it's fine but this also doesn't feel right and um kind of figuring out and learning on the way like what was really going on I so in that situation, it sounds like, like you mentioned, you learned a lot. What, is there anything in particular that you would have done differently if you could go back and, um, uh, kind of talk to yourself before you got into that, or if, or if another situation like that comes up again, like, what are you going to change about what you did to maybe mitigate some of the risk? Yeah. So, and it's, it's what we're doing right now too. And that's the thing we, we put it to work real quick of just, okay, we're not, we're going to do our best not to let this happen again. So really what I would do if I were to go back is we even had the signed contract, but kind of what you realize is it, it doesn't even really matter at that point. Cause then you still have to go to court for it and all that stuff. But um, what I would do is have the signed contract. We got to that step, the next step before starting on the logos and the website and like all the branding stuff, 
once the payment clears, we start. And that, that's kind of what we missed. I had sent the invoice, which in my mind, that's like, sweet, we started. Invoice sent, you know, he, the person said it would go like through their um, office managers. They would get it paid, all that. I'm like, yeah, this is biggest business I've ever worked with. That makes sense. <laughs> and, um, you know, they had um, apparently millions of dollars coming in. And so it just had to wait a little bit. I'm like, heck, I've never seen a million dollars. So yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> um yeah so i mean honestly it it's kind of just that it's it's if i were to go back have the contract signed make sure we're both on the same page with who were and then send the invoice but wait to start until the money clears the check clears whatever it is day one right when it clears we are balls to the wall like getting to work um but yeah that's what i would have done differently because then then we can at least make up for if we don't get paid the second month, um, we at least have the first month to kind of go back on with our margins. There you go. I think every business owner at some point has some of those, you know, expensive lessons. And this one could have been a lot more expensive, but thankfully, you know, you caught it like fairly, um, fairly early in the process. But um, that's also just, you know, part of running a business is is taking on um, taking on some risk and maybe, you know, being okay with things not going your way every single time. And, you know, there's always going to be people who are in it for not the best reasons or, um, trying to take advantage of other businesses. So it's, it's the, like the sad truth. And that's such a small percentage of, um, of the, the people that you're going to be working with and, or that anyone works with in, in business. Um, so that's definitely something to like, keep in mind too, um, that they're out there, but by and large, there's a lot of really, really awesome people who you also get a chance to work with. So on the flip side, I would love to also explore some of the, uh, more positive experiences. Is there, is there anyone who comes to mind or maybe a few people within the last, um, within the last year or so that have really made a positive impact on your business or just your experience in, in owning a business um, so far? Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, you have been at the top of the list just because- That's um, not what I was asking. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't mean me. <laughs> I'm going to use this to go into it, but seriously though, you have been um, in so incredible just uh, walking with me doing everything with me, helping me, listening, strategizing, everything. I mean, I just couldn't do any of it without you. Um, our, our team as a whole, uh, they are incredible as well. I mean, they're all contractors. So technically on paper, everything, I can't force them to be in any meetings. I can't force them to do anything. I can't ask them even to do certain things, but they have ownership of phaser. They, they say like, I, we want to be here. We want to help our clients. We want to do this. And so our team has been incredible and they know where we're at. I try and be as transparent as possible with how much money we're making, which clients are bringing on, what our prices are doing, because like, I want everyone to be happy and I want everyone to win, whether that's them, our clients, us, our agency friends, whoever it is. Um, so they've, they've been a blessing. Uh, Luke Payne is massive. I mean, he's been from the start, you know, like I mentioned, he's one of our first, he was our first construction client. 
Um, but him and I are, you know, partners in dirt bags. We started our own podcast, which has blown up into this um, media group essentially. And him and I talk almost every day. We talk about business. We talk about construction, talk about the next idea, you know, bringing value to the industry. And it's just such a great duo. His name's Luke. So that helps. I mean, it's just two Lukes. Um, and then, yeah, I, another couple people I think of is um, my parents, honestly, they, I talk business with them all the time now, which is funny because we like never did that. Uh, but it's so fun. I feel like we're both in different like seasons of life the last couple years. And even like when you and I talk to them, like we, we talk about money, we talk about insurance, we talk about traveling and like, where do we want to be in five years? And, and really exciting things were probably in high school, like I wouldn't have those conversations. I think um, becoming friends with parents is one of my favorite things about growing up. <laughs> Because when we were kids, it was just like the that those are the parents. Like they are doing their own thing. They're not interested in things that you're interested in. You're in a different world. But as we grow older, and not that we're like, I mean, getting old, but you know, got a ways to go. <laughs> but um, but it's so fun getting to actually be um, friends and have real conversations with our. Um, with our parents and with our parents as friends. And um, I genuinely enjoy that time with, um, you know, people who are twice our age, like just as much as people who are our age sometimes. Like it's so, so fun. And um, I just love that we are able to have that relationship with, with the people that are close to us and our families. Where do you think the, if you could go on one trip with like the core group of, you know, my parents and my parents' friends and your parents and, and me, I have to come, where would, where would you go next year? Oh, that's a good question. Um, is, can it be international or does it have to be domestic? Okay. Okay. You gotta remember it, it's like a group of like 10 or 12 probably at that point. Fun. I would say easy. I think my first, um, my first location that I would want to go to is New Zealand. Um, been there before and it's one of the most beautiful places on the planet and it's not too different where I think, you know, some of our parents or like our parents and, um, some others, like maybe a little bit nervous if we just went, you know, often like, Thailand or Vietnam yeah. or someplace like that, where there's a, um, a little bit more of a culture shock. Whereas New Zealand is one of those places where it's, it's different, but similar enough where it's still, um, still not too, not too different and anybody can go and it's just insanely beautiful and just a ton of fun, but that's but, a good question. Uh, dangerous animals though, right? No, New Zealand has, none of the dangerous animals, which is really interesting because everyone kind of um, considers them, you know, really close to Australia and almost part of, you know, the Australian part of the world, um, where Australia has all of the dangerous animals, all of the dangerous, deadly snakes and bugs and spiders and animals everywhere. And then for whatever reason, none of them made it over to New Zealand. So New Zealand's one of the safest places that you could be. So 
Yeah. It's like but place. literally, yeah. That's a good question though. What is, what's your answer? Oh, I didn't know I had to answer this. Um, that's a really good answer, New Zealand. Um, big group of people that definitely put that into consideration. Um, you know, somewhere where we can all kind of do something that we want to do. Honestly, I, I would say Italy because um, we've been there once and I think we could kind of help with some things, but also like uh, kind of help plan like the outer shell of like the itinerary like you do, but then also not plan everything. So, and the food's amazing. So I think uh, I would say Italy. All right, we're going back to Italy. <laughs> Awesome. So if any one of my parents, friends, or Todd and Rhonda are listening and you want to take us somewhere next year, there you go. There we go. <laughs> we won't be mad about it. Hey, uh, but I mean, if they made it this far on the podcast, that's impressive anyway. So yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I think this has been a ton of fun. Um, and I'm so grateful that you're not sick of talking to me somehow after <laughs> being together for eight plus years. So I, um, I, I had a lot of fun and thanks again for, for having me on and thanks for letting me pick your brain a little bit about phaser marketing. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. You are the best. I mean, you can just take that seat for the next episode too, and uh, we'll get you a new guest, but no, you killed it. I appreciate you so much and can't wait to see you here in about 30 seconds. Let's go.